doing the work of God, which needed to be done. I thought that makes sense. And so when we worship on Sunday, I don't feel awful for preaching because it is presenting the Word of God and being a blessing and helping. And today's passage is going to bring us a little closer to where I think we understand more about the Sabbath. But I want to start, first of all, by mentioning some things that we have here. You may know some of them. Some of them are quite obvious here in our uh, sanctuary and uh, ways that connect us with God. And one of those is the prayer cross. Prayer cross has been prayed over many, many times and held by many people who pray and have received prayer. And it is a powerful anointing symbol of God's work. Another are the candles. We have three that are lit this morning. They represent the light of God with us. We have the Christ candle, and then the Father and the Holy Spirit are representing the others, so that we have all three present and light burning and shining for us, with the Christ candle being preeminent. We have also the Bible. Most of us bring our Bibles with us to worship. It is uh, part of our worship. We have the Scripture readings from the Bible. We have a call to worship. We have prayers and songs. Also, we have anointing oil and the balm of Gilead in the basket. And over on the prayer rail, which is another thing, the prayer rail, and a a prayer shawl with tzitzits on it. Those are all part of different kinds of worship. Of all the things that I've mentioned, are any of these not from Old Testament tradition? Other than the prayer cross and the Christ candle, they're all from the Old Testament. Did you know that? That people prayed, sang songs, worshipped God, read out of the Scriptures, including Jeremiah, as I did this morning, and other symbols of the faith, much as we do. Of course they prayed. Of course they sang. Of course they lit candles and used anointing oil. And all those things we did not develop after Christ died. They were in place. We uh, adopted them, if you will, for the purposes that we have. Now, the reason I mention all that is because a lot of us growing up, and I'm one of them, were kind of dissociated from the Old Testament. And when people got the Bible given to them, it usually was, read the New Testament. You don't need to worry about the Old Testament right now. And uh, that happens a lot. As we've been preparing, as most of you know, on the 22nd, my wife and I and Rick and several other people are going to Israel for a couple of weeks. I've been reading the Old Testament and trying to learn Israelite traditions and Jewish customs and things like that over the last several months. And as I began to read that, I realized there might be more to worship and prayer and other things that the Old Testament could teach me other than the things we can see right now. One of those things that happened was the prayer shawl. And that has become a very powerful form of prayer for me. The Old Testament talks about it. I didn't even know what it looked like three months ago, let alone how to use it. And I still won't say that I'm perfect at it, but I will say I practice. Hopefully practice makes better. And as I began to read all this, there's some, a thought went through my mind, what else is there that I have overlooked because I overlooked a lot of the Old Testament as valuable for worship? 
And then I paused on today's passage. Been reading a lot. I've talked about the Sabbath in the past and the rest on the Sabbath. I didn't really understand a whole lot more than the basics. And I began to dig into that and understand what Sabbath rest was about. And I like how Jesus does this. He's, he's very, very, very simple in what He says, but it's also profound. You see, He's with the man with the withered hand, and it just so happens that He's entering into a synagogue on the Sabbath day. And He's teaching. He did this often. That's why He was called a rabbi, because He would teach, and He was in the synagogue teaching. And as he would teach, he would make, if you will, physical demonstrations of what he was teaching. On that particular day, as he was teaching at that synagogue service, there was a man whose right hand was withered. Now, to say a little bit about that, the right hand was the hand of power, according to the the Scriptures. It was also the right hand of the fathers where Jesus sat, the right hand of favor. And so this man didn't have his right hand, which was considered his strength. And Jesus saw him, and the scribes and Pharisees were watching him because they knew that Jesus was going to probably do something they didn't like. He was already at this point making people, if you will, in the synagogue temple hierarchy upset with him. But I promise you, Jesus wasn't doing the upset work. It was their clinging to their own beliefs. A few weeks ago, we talked about fence laws. Fence laws are laws that are placed around the scriptural biblical law to make sure you don't even get close to breaking those. In other words, if one of the the, uh, commands was do not commit adultery, Jesus would say, don't even look at it with lust in your heart. It wasn't one of the commands to don't look at it. It was do not commit adultery. So they're saying let's even stay further away from getting close to breaking that by making the wall around that law bigger so we won't even come close to violating the law. And, and as I mentioned in that message, there's over three hundred to 500,000 fence laws that they have. I would think that you would almost feel like you're in a straitjacket or constricted to do anything without fear of breaking some sort of fence law that you didn't know or that you might have known but you weren't sure how to apply it. And all you think about is, am I making a mistake? Am I going to be in trouble? All these things. Rather than, am I worshiping God? It's true that if you're burdened by too many laws and regulations and restrictions, you're going to feel like you can't do anything. You're going to feel hemmed in. One of the things I'm learning as a bus driver, and maybe Diane and Keith can teach me more, is uh, you got to be strict, but you also got to be relaxed. In other words, you can't find everything wrong, just some big things, and let them have their life as well. And could you imagine if each thing that they did that was a problem... I called them out on, I would never be watching the road. Because they're always doing something along the ten bus rules, which is what we have, the ten bus commandments, that they're not supposed to do. There'd be someone breaking one of those about every second on the bus. And I'm not picking on all of them. So I'm going to pick one or two to let them know I'm watching. 
but I'm not strict on everything or else they'll feel handcuffed. Well, I can't even breathe on this bus and you get mad. And that's kind of like what these fence laws did and have done in the Israelite community. They feel like everything is being so watched and they're so restricted that all it is is about being religious rather than in a relationship. If your relationship with God is about rules of what you can and cannot do, that's not a relationship, is it? I don't know about you, but I don't want to have a friendship with someone where it's based on, well, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that. But you can be a friend with me, but don't do this, this, or this. And you got 300,000 things you can't do in the friendship. Most of your time be spent learning what you can't do rather than enjoying the friendship, wouldn't it? Almost not worth the effort. Unfortunately, we get bogged down in some of this stuff on our own and we don't even understand it. And Jesus was talking to a crowd that did not have three hundred to 500,000 fence laws. They only had several thousand of them at that time. <laughs> and one of those laws, which was a Sabbath law, was don't do any work on the Sabbath. Now the fence laws described what work was because God never said what work was. So they said if you did anything or made someone work, you were violating the Sabbath. And you say, what do you mean? Well, if you're Sabbath day, you go to a restaurant and someone serves you, you made them work. Therefore, you violated the Sabbath because you made them work. Now, isn't that almost too much? I call that overkill because how else are you going to eat on a Sunday, if that's your Sabbath, go out to eat and you go, wait a minute, I can't go out to eat. Well, I can't go home and cook. I can't. What am I supposed to do? I'm handcuffed. I can't do anything to enjoy the day God gave for me to enjoy His presence. And it's interesting because we get so fenced in by those fence laws that we don't even know they're existing anymore. We just live by them. Now, that's what I'm saying. That's the kind of people Jesus was talking to. That everything that you did, whether it was to move a box, to carry a, a load from one place to another, that was considered work. And so the scribes and Pharisees watched Jesus to see if He'd do any work. They didn't like Him. Because they wanted to find an accusation. And He knew their thoughts. Jesus was like that. He knew what they were thinking. And He said to the man with a withered hand, Rise up! You ever heard that before? Mm-hmm. Rise up! Amen. Rise up and stand right here! Well, that's work. Getting up and rising up. Isn't that work? Well, we don't know. Maybe. He's just asking, wait, wait a minute. No, I think you can stand up on the Sabbath. So now they're starting to debate, did he just make the man do work? Did he make him rise up and stand here? Was that work, a command? So now they're wondering, even something as mundane as that sentence, whether or not Jesus has violated the Sabbath by asking the man to stand up and to come to where he is. I'm telling you, it's that bad. But it got worse. And Jesus looked at them and He said, I ask you just one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or do evil? To save life or to kill? That's what He asked them. They did not answer Him. 
in other passages that talk about this healing, it says that they were angry at Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Jesus was angry with them because they would not answer about the Sabbath. They would not hear the reason God asked us to have Sabbath. To rest and enjoy the presence of God, family, and creation. To enjoy your life that day without working to make yourself feel obligated. But what did they do? They stuck obligations on everybody rather than making a day of rest and freedom and peace and joy. It was supposed to be, according to the way it was set up, a day where you get together with family, you eat joyfully, you sing, you be together as family and do family things together to get away from the work-a-day world. That was God's intent, to bring you back centered to what matters to you and to remember that God gave that to you. To reflect on all that you had, including your family, and thank God for them and ask for continued blessing on all of it. To pray together. To laugh together. And what are they doing? They're making it about what you have to do and what you can't do. Rather than seeing the heart and the spirit of the law. And Jesus says, what's better, to do good or bad? Is it lawful to do good? Well, it is lawful to do good because they allow the rabbis to teach, which was considered good. Hmm. For them, Sabbath began sundown Friday. Ended sundown Saturday. How do you tell when sundown is? When the first three stars in the sky appear, begins your Sabbath. And when the first three stars appear the next day, it ends it. That's your Sabbath. It's a evening to an evening, not a midnight to a midnight as we consider days. And so when they're celebrating the Sabbath, it's actually Friday evening to Saturday afternoon late. Most folks think of the Sabbath, we think, well, Sunday is our Sabbath, and it starts when I wake up and ends when I go to bed. That's how we see it as a day for the Lord, the Lord's day. But I want to ask you a question. Do you know why the church established Sunday for worship instead of Saturday? Do you know that for the first 300 plus years of Christianity it was on Sabbath day? Started at Friday, ended on Saturday at evening. Did you know that? Early church did that. The apostles, all of them, kept with the traditions and kept that Sabbath honored, worshiped together, met in houses because they were persecuted. Terribly persecuted by the Roman Empire. So when I was growing up, I was curious about this because, you know, the the law said, remember the Sabbath day. And someone told me, well, Sabbath day is Saturday. I said, no, it's not. It's Sunday. And we had an argument. So I asked my dad. My dad was a pastor. And uh, he was my pastor, so I asked him, I said, Dad, um, we worship church on Sunday and Sabbath is Saturday. Why is that? And my dad said, Son, we're not Jews. We're Christians. Christians worship on Sunday. And that's the end of the conversation. Never explained it. If you'd have explained it to me, I would have understood a little bit more. But what he said to me in, in what I heard was, 
The, the Old Testament stuff, that's irrelevant. Don't need to worry about that. Jesus fulfilled that law. It's not important. It's not applicable to you. The New Testament made a clean break for us. But let me tell you something, how this Sabbath was switched. Constantine was calling forth Christianity to be the national religion in the 300s. At this time, the Jews were under Roman persecution murdering, etc., anti-Semitic. And they wanted to set a day that was not going to make people think that they were connected to the Jewish faith. And since Sunday was the sun's day, uh, for the sun in the sky, sun, day, then he thought, you know, that would be a great day to celebrate it. We'll do that day. Starting in the morning ending in the evening at the end of the day. That day. Not Saturday evening to Sunday evening, but Sunday morning through Sunday night. That's our holy day. We'll do worship that day because we do not want any part of the Jewish tradition. And the church council met that century and made it so. And it got worse. Inquisition came out over the Jewish anti-Semitic feelings. And did you know Martin Luther, who began the Protestant Reformation, was anti-Semitic? Did you know he was in favor of them being all brutally murdered? And said, if I could, I would do it myself. And I thank those who will. To get rid of that scum is basically what he called the Jews. Martin Luther, founder of the Lutheran Church. Did you know that? Anti-Semitism is why we worship on Sunday. But is it possible, and this is a question I ask myself, am I missing a blessing by not doing it Friday to Saturday? Am I missing something that's in the command that might actually bless my family and life by observing it that way? Ever thought that question? Do you think like I was taught... Jesus fulfilled that, so you don't have to follow those rules. One fellow said it like this. Yes, we're under grace and not under the law, but two things about that. The first thing is this. That under the law means man's law. The fence laws don't apply. That's when Paul said you're not under law, you're under grace. That's what he was talking about. The fence laws that man had put in place and tradition rather than God. And when it says that the law was fulfilled in Christ and people say, well, you don't have to keep it anymore. The simple question he asked was, does that mean it's alright to murder? Alright to steal? That means you can do it because you're not under that law? Or do you think maybe those things still are good and powerful and proper for ways of relating with each other and with God? When Jesus was asked, what is the most important commandment of all? And he gave the Shema, the Mishnah. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. And thou shalt have no other God before Him. He is the only God. You shall worship Him only. And the second, like unto it, Jesus said, that you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. Upon those two commands hang all the rest. Of all the laws. Love God, love others. 
Everything else falls under that. If you're doing that, you're doing the other. Now, let me ask you a question. If it says love God, love others, where does it say in there, uh, don't do something? It doesn't. It's a way to fulfill the command is to do something. Wait a minute. It says we can't work on the Sabbath. It doesn't say that. It says to honor God on your Sabbath. Don't perform work on that day. Honor God that day by resting. It says, here's the things you're doing. And when you're doing those things, you're not working. But people wanted to take don't work and say, don't do anything. Don't move a finger. Don't walk more than a city block or however far they would eventually decide the law would be good. All this to burden society so they couldn't enjoy God. So they couldn't love God. They could only not do things. I'm not going to handcuff you this morning with that. Hopefully this morning I can help you take those off yourself. Because no one put them on you except for tradition and reason and other people's expectations. What God expected for you to do is you honor the Sabbath by what Jesus told this crowd. I cannot tell you anything other than to say this. It's lawful to do good. It's lawful to preserve life. How else would you honor God and love others but by doing that in the name of Jesus? To do that. To seek opportunity to bless others. To praise God. To do those things intentionally because you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You're part of the family. To do it. I have always said this about folks struggling with recovery and trying to get into recovery, addictions and things like that, that the goal of recovery is not to quit something. Never has been. Because how do you not do something? What are you doing? Well, I'm not doing that. But what are you doing? Not that. But what are you doing? Well, I'm not doing that. You can't not do something. You can only do something. Right? You can't not do it. You can only do it. So... If the goal of not doing something is your task, you're in trouble. Because in the goal of life with God and the goal of recovery, in any facet of our life, is to do something that matters. To be productive. To make a difference. To make a change. And let God make a change through you. I would love to see this church, with everybody saying, what can I do, Pastor? What can we do to honor God? What can we do to help others? Every person looking for an opportunity to do something for the kingdom of God. To show, them they, to show God that they love Him and others that they love them too. Jesus asks us, do this. This is how you honor the Sabbath. Do good. Save lives. How else would be a better way to do it, right? But let me ask you a better question. Why would it be just reserved for that day that you would want to love God and others? Why is it that you'd only want to do good on the Sabbath? And why is it that you wouldn't want to do it every day? 
Now you're beginning to see where Jesus was going with this, right? Why in the world would you ever want to do evil any day? Why would you ever want to destroy someone or tear them down rather than build them up and encourage them any single day? Now you understand that what Jesus said kind of gets lost in the translation through the years and the filters, and we miss it. People have extreme views about the Sabbath. I've heard people say that's not applicable, like my dad said. Not applicable. I think my dad was a little bit anti Semitic. But I know for sure he didn't ever teach me about it. And never said, son, I've studied this. I've read this. This is why it happened at the Creed and the Council of Nicaea and in the 300s decided that this is how it's going to be. When they set the canon for the Bible, I guess maybe he thought that I didn't need to know the answer, just his opinion, that he wasn't a Jew. I don't know. But I wanted to tell you something. That ignorance can destroy somebody. If you don't know it, you can't understand it. Some people say, well, the Sabbath, that's the Old Testament view. That's not New Testament. That's not quite anti-Semitic, but it's like, well, the Old Testament, you know, I, I got the New Testament. I, I need the Gideons didn't give me the Old Testament. <laughs> but that's what people used to say. Psalms, Proverbs, and New Testament's all I need. Don't need any of that other stuff. That's all laws anyway. Some people still think that way. Do you? <coughs> Some people say, the Sunday. Sunday is the Sabbath. That's what I've grown with. That's what I'm going to live with. And the Bible says, do not observe Sabbaths, festivals, or food, and make people bound by those things. It's what it says. So Sunday is my Sabbath, and I'm not going to debate it. But is it true then that other days you can be a scoundrel and just be good on Sunday? I'm going to honor God today, but the rest, no. I'm going to praise God on Sunday and Monday through Saturday. You just might as well forget that. <coughs> I'm going to apologize for what I'm about to do next week on Sunday and ask for forgiveness ahead of time and not permission. Some people look at it like that. Some people say you must honor it. It's extreme. You must. You can't work. You can't go to a job. There are people who observe this up until a few years ago when I was in college, all the stores in Missouri were closed on Sunday. I lived near Belleville, Illinois, and they had St. Clair Square there Monday through Saturday. It was fairly busy, but on Sunday, everybody came 15 minutes from St. Louis and shopped there. If you went there on a Sunday, you would be lucky to find a parking spot, let alone room to breathe or air. Because everybody came from Missouri where it wasn't allowed to shop on Sundays, stores to be open, to shop in Illinois where it was. It used to be like that a lot of places where everything was closed on Sunday. Rolled the sidewalks up at 5 o'clock on Saturday and didn't unroll until 8 o'clock Monday morning. Not like that now. But that's because Missouri had the Sabbath law. That's what they called it, the Sabbath law. They repealed that. And now, of course, you can buy on Sunday because they didn't want their tax dollars going to Illinois. And that's what they did several years ago. So you can shop in Missouri on Sunday now. But 
understand that that thinking was we must honor this and respect it because this is what we must do is honor the Sabbath. And you'll see people today, even now, from 5 o'clock or so on Friday to that time on Saturday, will honor it. Without question. Because that's what they're supposed to do. But the question for me has always been, and what would God say? What would He ask me? Would He tell me, well, you must observe this time or you must observe that time? And what would He tell you? When Jesus taught about the Sabbath, He said, do good. Save life. And I'm thinking, that should be every day. We should sing hymns and praise God. That should be every day. You should take time to pray and with family. That should be every day. But you can't make it a law and it be freedom and joy. And so God set aside one day of the week to be with your family and to celebrate and honor. But did you know on the flip side of that, He said you got to work six. You got to work six days, rest one. I checked on my workday schedule. I'm Monday to Friday. I got five days and I'm off on the weekends from the school. But it says work six, rest one. So, do we work six, rest one? Or do we go, no, 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 we work five, rest two. The weekend after all. How do we do it? And why? We don't know. It's just what we do. We never think about it because everything that has been handed down, we don't know why it is that way. We just do it. Because it's tradition and man's rules. It did not say 8 to 5 in the Scripture. Monday to Friday was ideal work week. It didn't say that. It came from somewhere else. And it wasn't Scripture. It was from a man or men or a group of people who decided that that would be the proper work week. Do you adhere to it because others do? Or do you adhere to it because it's supposed to be that way? Or do you know? Now you say, well, why? Are you, aren't you just nitpicking? I'm not nitpicking. Why do you do what you do? Do you do it to honor God? Or do you do it because that's what you're supposed to do? Do you do it out of joy and freedom? Or do you do it because you feel a burden and an obligation? When you live your life, are you living out there going, I wonder if God's going to shoot me dead because I didn't do that. Looking for lightning to strike me. Or are you going through life saying, God, thank you for this day. I praise you. Show me a way you can use me today, regardless of the day it is, and I'll honor you and love others while I'm doing it. How do you think when you go throughout your day? I'm at work, I can't pray. It's not Sabbath. Can't do anything good today. Can't help my buddy at work because, you know, it's not the Sabbath. You're supposed to do the good on the Sabbath, not. We don't think like that. But you could restrict yourself and get yourself so confused unless you live by the simple code of love God and love others. And let everything else be details. Wouldn't that be better? And a man with a withered hand comes up on a day of rest, of celebration, of honoring God, of honoring family, of prayer and singing. And they think that he should not be healed that day. Because it would be work. I really, really want to know how it is that Jesus worked. I just want to know. I can't figure this out. He says, stand up here. The man stands right there. 
That's all he said so far. Then he teaches them, is it good to do good or is it good to do bad? Should you save life? Should you destroy it? And he looks around at them and he's angry and he says to the man, stretch out your hand. Has he worked? What has Jesus done that would constitute work? And the man did so. Well, he stretched out his hand, therefore he did work. No, that's you can reach your hand out on the Sabbath. They haven't gotten that minuscule in their fence laws. You can reach your hand out. You can shake a hand, believe it or not, and not be considered work on a Sabbath. <laughs> Even lift your hand to help your donkey out of the ditch if it falls into it on the Sabbath, and it'd be all right. So you can stretch your hand out. And it did, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. And they said, Jesus did work. What did he do? All he did was just stand up, stick your hand out. You can talk on the Sabbath, okay? You can instruct. He didn't ask the man to do work. He just said, stand up and stick your hand out. That, in their law, is not work. And they got angry because he healed on the Sabbath day. Jesus did not touch him. He didn't wave a potion. He didn't say a notion. All he did was say, stretch out your hand. So how in the world is that work? And why is it that they wanted to accuse this man of healing on that day rather than praising God, which the day it was for, to praise, to celebrate, to honor God, and to rest, and see this man restored, wouldn't that be a thing of joy? Are they missing that this guy's got a withered hand? Don't they see he's hurting? He's broken? He's damaged? He's wounded? He's lost his power for his life? And they say, oh, God's going to be blasphemed if you heal him on this day because it's work. No, God is glorified on that day. And the man was praising God with both hands. <laughs> Free to love and live and carry forth his life. And they're finding a problem with Jesus because the man's free. I don't understand that. Yet we do it all the time to ourselves and other people because we just don't understand. And we nitpick, find fault rather than honor others and esteem them. We don't act out of grace. And here's what Jesus said to that man. I believe He's saying to you and me. Rise up and stand on your feet and stretch out your hand. And if someone grabs a hold of it, shake it. If they're down on the ground and they grab a hold of it, lift them up. All you're doing is offering your hand. A hand to help, to love, to bless. And in so doing, you're doing good, preserving life, loving others, loving God. And you've honored Sabbath. Hmm. But I'll promise you, 
There'll be people wondering why you're helping certain people. They're not going to look at the fact that that person needed to help. They're going to look at the kind of person it was. Or the fact that you did it and not somebody else. Rather than praising God for the good being done around them. So are you looking for opportunity to praise God for the good being done? Or looking for reasons to shoot it down? And are you a part of the good being done? Or are you part of the people saying someone else can do it? This is the question I, I wonder. Because throughout all of time, from the Hebrew language, Aramaic and the Greek, all those languages that were translated for us into our English, somewhere along the way we've forgotten that God simply is love. And it's the image He's recreating in us. Let me ask you a question. Very simple question. Do you think the Pharisees and the scribes seeing in the synagogue that day loved that man with a withered hand? Do you think they loved Jesus? And if not, what stopped them? I can tell you one of the reasons it stopped it is they did not practice grace. They did not see people as valuable and more valuable than the laws about how to live life that they came up with. How do you translate it? Honor the Sabbath. How do you translate it? What do you lose in your translation than the way you've done it? My dad gave me a bad tradition. And I'll tell you what I've been doing lately. Close to sundown on Friday, I said, thank you, Lord, for another Sabbath day. Thank you. May I honor you this day all the way through. May I praise you and lift you up. May my family be blessed. Thank you for getting me through another week. And may this day, at the end of this day, and the beginning of the next through on, you be praised and help me do what you want me to do. Help me to love better. I think that's honoring it. It's not difficult. Doesn't mean I'm not going to go to work on Friday or come to work in church on Sunday or Monday through Thursday. It doesn't mean I won't do something around the house on Saturday. But what it means is that I understand that it's for God. That I love God. That I love my family. I love my friends. I love what God's given. I love the blessings. And if we don't take time intentionally once a week to give thanks and praise to God for it, we forget where it came from. Folks, I don't know about you, but if I saw another healing in this sanctuary on a Sunday morning, I'm not going to go, you should have been here yesterday. I'm going to say, look what God's doing here. Praise God. They didn't. They crucified Jesus rather than praise God. <laughs> How shall we, as people of God, therefore respond? Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, You've been so faithful, so good, honoring, loving, going beyond and expectation, and yet we still... Sometimes we harbor our doubts. Do you love us? Do you care? Did Jesus really live? Did he really die? 
All those questions that run through our mind, are the laws for me? Are they for somebody else? Is it the Jewish? Is it Christian? Heavenly Father, all you keep whispering down through eternity is I love you. I want you to love me. I want you to love others. Love my son and let me transform you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I think that's all you're trying to say to us this morning is that we just need to love and love well and to continue to love beyond question, beyond doubt, beyond fear and not be so bogged down if we should or shouldn't or if it's a costly thing to just do it and honor and esteem one another. And Heavenly Father, I give you thanks and praise this morning as you have given us your presence, your spirit, and your son to establish your willing and way with us.